Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Welcome. And sure, what an awesome opportunity this morning to bring the word. I just want to say a shout out to all those people at home. I've always wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, my sister, I think, has sent the link to everyone in the UK and here. So, Margs, if you're watching, thank you very much. Um, but I really am trusting for those that are not just here this morning, but those that are watching online, whether it's live or later, that, yeah, that God has as much for you. <laughs> so be expectant and... Um, I really tried to convince Henny to preach this sermon um, when about three weeks ago, the Holy Spirit had been laying on my heart for about two weeks to preach this message. And it happened to be that in those two weeks, I think two or three people had messaged to say, please pray for me. I'm really struggling with fear or anxiety. And I was like, really, Lord, I'm 32 weeks pregnant. I'll be 34 weeks pregnant. You sort of want to ease, you know, into your third trimester, not put too much pressure on yourself. But I think when you have a husband like Stefan, who's a reformer and often pushes you outside your comfort zone, which is so good, um, and also the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe anyone could have shared this message this morning, um, but I am honored to do it, well, to share it. Okay, am I good with everything? People at the back, there's nothing that needs to be all good. Okay, let's just pray. Sure. Father, I'm more convinced, um, yeah, than anything, Lord, that you are going to meet with your people this morning. And, yeah, that you have a deposit for us, Father, but... That also, God, there is a massive shift that needs to to take place, Lord, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our feelings, Father. You, I sort of experience the wrath of God saying enough is enough. (laughs) Um, And that you are inviting us to fix our eyes on you again, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who has provided everything when you sent Jesus to the cross. There was nothing, Lord, that is impossible for you, Father, when we will choose to live a life of faith and not a life submitted to the spirit of fear. And so I pray that the anointing today will break the yoke. (laughs) I thank you that it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that brings conviction to many hearts, God, that, that we are able to step over. We are able to say yes, God, to that invitation to more of you. And so thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do the work today, that I'm the messenger, and um, yeah, and I'm honored to partner with you in this, in Jesus' name. So um, yeah, this is our beautiful third boy, Daniel, you can see from the side. I get asked often, are you carrying twins? Um, <laughs> I, carry, I carry proudly. They say moms with big bumps carry proudly, so I'm carrying my third boy, his name's Daniel. I'm very thankful for Daniel that uh, Stefan and I agreed immediately on the name. <laughs> and um, so it happens to be that our first boy is Benjamin, and then Caleb, and then Daniel. B, C, D. We kept A for Alpha and Omega. He's not our child, but he is the first one, you know. So, um, yeah, that, just, that was coincident. It wasn't planned at all. So just by a show of hands, I want to ask you today, Over the last six months, 
um, during this COVID period and lockdown and everything that it brought with, who of you had to face fear? Who of you experienced fear on a new level? It's amazing how heated times and fire um, actually surfaces certain things in our hearts. Um, and it's not like fear only came in with a pandemic. <laughs> you know, fear has been around for a very long time. You know, fear um, is actually mentioned, the, the term specifically do not fear is mentioned 85 times in the Bible. And I think over, Henny was saying over 300 or more. I mean, there's so many times in the Bible where the Lord says to us, do not fear, do not be afraid. And so it's not, it's not a new term. Um, but I do think there has been such an exposure in our lives as to how we respond to circumstances and certain situations. We're faced with death. People around us are dying. How do we feel about eternity? Shucks, I'm actually a little bit more scared than what I thought I believed, you know. Um, financial situations, potential job losses, um, you know, there's there's relational issues that have surfaced. I mean, I haven't had so many marriages um, also, you know, come and say, sure, we actually are not seeing each other. We're, you know, we're, we're struggling. Wow, I thought we were okay. Um, but the beautiful thing is that there's always an invitation to choose. <laughs> you know, this fear gets exposed, and then we respond in a certain way. Um, and so... Yeah, I want to, um, I just want to mention the definition of fear. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Okay, a very simple definition of fear. Um, but I think it, it, it's good to put words to, to what fear actually is. And then I want to carry on and just go today specifically um, I want to address the spirit of fear. Okay, so there's a difference between fear, which is caution, and, um, you know, we can't just be like, oh, I'm fearless, let me just go swim with sharks, you know, and just have no, like, you know, protective gear, and just be like, hey, you're my friend, you might not have a hand after that, you know. Um, so there's rightful caution, okay, in certain circumstances and certain situations. Um, and so I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the spirit of fear. And, and that comes out in the scripture. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. Or sound judgment. And we all know that scripture. <laughs> it's a very, it's one that you grow up with. You know, my boy, we, I'm teaching it to my boys at the moment that they are able to recite that because it's so important to remember, you know, that what God has given us. And, um, it's so funny. I'm on the, at the end of the year and the first of January, Stefan and I will often be in Silby and we will, um, ask the Holy Spirit, you know, what is the word for this year? What, what do you want to share? What do you want to talk about? Or what is the scripture? And about three years ago, the Lord said to me, Lauren, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I was like, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, come, let's work through that this year, Lord. Come, come. Next January, Lord, what's the scripture for this year? Lauren, I've not given you a spirit of fear. And I'm like, okay, but we worked. I'm, okay, let's, cool. Okay, same scripture, let's go for it. Must be really deep. Um, but in that first year, I felt God actually speaking to me a lot about power. 
And the second year, you know, a lot about what does love look like? What is love, sacrificial love, motherly love, parenting love, a love for the church, a love for the bride? Um, and so surprisingly this year when I went to the Lord and I said, what's the scripture for this year? He said, Lauren, I've not given you a spirit of fear. <laughs> so I've been waiting three years to share this message <laughs> or deliver it. You know, let's, let's use terms of delivery in birth. Just hoping my water doesn't break. would be a bit early. Um, but luckily I have Izania, my jeweler. So if anything goes wrong, she'll be at my side. Um, so yeah, so I am, I'm excited because I re, I really do believe that when I first got saved, faith was everything. It was nothing was too difficult or hard for God. I would go to him with every financial provision I needed. I would go through my heart's issues. I would, but somewhere along the line, the spirit of fear had entered. <laughs> and it, it's so subtle. The spirit of fear ministers in such a subtle way that you actually allow that voice to be the voice that you listen to more than the Spirit of God. And I was just, uh, it, it's because you can justify it, you know. Um, you, can, you can sort of think, oh, those thoughts are reasonable, they're logic. Um, whereas you simply cannot submit to the Spirit of fear and the Spirit of God at the same time. One has to give way to the other. And God was just bur- birthing and burning this thing inside of me to say, come back, Lauren. Come back to a life of faith. Come back to that place where I am your provider. You've been married for seven years, not your husband. Yes, he does. I provide through him, but I am your provider. Medically, I can heal. Financially, you know, I provide. Relationally, I can do anything that is impossible. And, and you know, it's, it's so funny how my whole life fear has actually been a part, um, you know, a part of what I've... It's been there all, all along. And you almost become, it almost becomes your friend. And that's why I said fear is not my friend. You are not my friend. Fear, there is no place for you. <laughs> I am not going to sit and drink tea with you. Okay. And so there was just this, this thing. And, and, you know, the, the, the voice of fear can also come in so, with such irrational thoughts. But you believe it. You know, you, you like, I mean, most recent example, and this is very much why I'm sharing this message, was Stefan and I decided to go down to Stillby, close to George or Stillbay, and uh, we went down for the Easter weekend, and we arrived on the Sunday, and on the Monday, Cyril says, lockdown. So we stayed there for five months. It was great. <laughs> but I had this irrational fear that someone was going to break into the house and kidnap my children. Okay. Like, but to the point where my poor husband, I would wake him up in the middle of the night and I'd say to him, can you go sleep in the boys' room? I'll just be able to sleep better. Now, Stefan, let me just give you some context. Stefan spoke to one of the security guys in Stillby. You know, like, not police, just like local security. When when was the last time you had an incident that actually mattered? You know, a break-in or a theft or an assault or a... And he said three years ago. So it is one of the safest places. Do you understand how fear works? It's like irrational, but it had me not sleeping. Then it affects my mood. It affects everything else. And so you have to stop it in its tracks. Okay, I'm going to move quickly. It's not going to be too long, hopefully. Um, I want to start, and I want to just expose the spirit of fear. 
Okay, that's how we're going to start today. And um, I want to talk about seven manifestations of the spirit of fear. Obviously, there are many. When I use certain words like fear causes this or fear makes you do that, we're not um, controlled by that spirit of fear. Okay, We can submit to it, but that's always our choice. So it's not like I'm a victim to the spirit of fear. It made me do it, you know. It's like <laughs> when we were... When I was pregnant with Benjamin, Stefan and I were in America, and um, I saw this T-shirt, baby, baby made me do it. You know, and I was like, oh, we're going to put all, all the things that I do while pregnant, I'm going to say, baby made me do it. We can't have a spirit of fear made me do it T-shirt, okay? We have a free will, and we have a choice. But I just want to show you a few things of how this spirit of fear works. Guys, today, to help me preach, I really want you to use expressive eyes, okay? If you're agreeing with what I'm saying, um, I'm lovingly Anne here. There's just the giggles and the laughs coming out. It just helps me a lot. Thanks. Um, I want to reference uh, Stay Her Mom of four kids in America, Leah Lively, who, um, who gave me two or three of these uh, manifestations. Um, so, yeah, the others were in my heart as well. First one, fear wants you to hide from God, and it wants you to hide from people. I mean, the scripture literally says, Genesis 3, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And instead of exploring their freedom in their relationship with God, they were aware of that sin, and the spirit of fear just wanted to separate them and isolate them from the one that was actually able to restore, you know, that relationship. And so fear often, spirit. if I say fear, I mean the spirit of fear, okay? It often wants you to hide and and not put yourself in positions that are, that are risky, okay? I remember when Henny asked us to preach I mean, to take over the Santon Church, I had this overwhelming fear of putting myself on the front line in ministry because I'd heard stories of people that are attacked and persecuted. And and I was just like, I just want to be safe. You know, I'm like, why would you do that to yourself? But we think of the gospel and we think of, you know, sorry, I just want to go back that the context of 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 is Paul speaking to Timothy who was quite timid I needed to preach the gospel, okay? So so when I'm talking about this sermon and I'm saying the spirit of fear versus power, love, and a sound mind, I'm talking about the gospel transformation of your whole life. It's relationships, it's calling, it's people, it's, it's, it's everyday communication. Okay, sorry, I forgot to mention that in the beginning. But, you know, you want to, it, it wants you to hide, it wants to isolate you. Because if you don't have to face God, you don't have to face the things that are actually going on inside of you. You don't have to be real with the convictions of how your behavior is affecting other people. How are you showing up in certain situations, you know? And and rather just sit and be timid, you know, and mediocre around these things. Um, because in the presence of God is holiness. There can't be sin. You know, they can't, but the joy of that is that he provides everything, every freedom, every deliverance when you come into his presence. So it's this sick cycle that, the, you know, the, the enemy wants to keep you in. Um, I want to challenge you, especially in this time, to, to check out that spirit of fear that is keeping you in isolation. 
It wants you to isolate you from certain people um, and certain groups that are there to encourage you and to be with you um, in, you know, um, you know, that we move together as one. And just lastly on that topic, I want to say the spirit of fear wants to separate you from people where you actually need to be the one that speaks life. So prophetically, especially those that have a gift of prophecy to speak encouragement, speak life, the spirit of fear wants to silence your voice. He wants you to, but how would they respond? You know, what if I just speak up and what if they don't accept me? What if? It says, what if, what if? I'd rather stay quiet. Okay, so acknowledge that. The second one, fear makes you lose perspective or you could say that it distracts you. Now, I remember in the beginning of lockdown, um, God had spoken to me about these things in December and areas that he wanted to use me in. And, and then I get, we get to lockdown still by, there's no one helping with the children, which is actually such a blessing because, you know, you can spend so much time investing in them. But then you want to think about yourself. And I'm like, Lord, but you said. And I, I thought this was going to happen. You know, this... And then it it distracts you from what God is actually calling you to do. You know, the gospel hasn't changed. And I just felt the Lord saying to me, Lauren, do you think I'm, I was surprised by this pandemic? <laughs> Nothing has changed. My promises, even in, if the natural doesn't make sense and doesn't look like these things can come to pass, what I have spoken remains the same. And the fear just comes and he says to you, he just wants to distract you slightly. Lose perspective on what we're actually busy with. I, I'm challenged by believers. You know, we've, we've lost, to a certain degree, the conviction to share the word of God. We're going into self-preservation mode. As long as I can just make it through, I'll be okay. And I'm just a story of Noah there. Noah, God gives Noah instruction. The people think he's absolutely crazy. He's building this ark. And then he goes into isolation basically for 40 days. People around him are dying. He's basically in a pandemic. But he doesn't lose sight of what the Lord has called him to do. He doesn't lose his perspective and get distracted. I'm sure he was very intimidated and very fearful, or he was exposed by fear, but he didn't lose sight of what God wanted. Okay. The third one there, the spirit of fear causes you to listen to negative outside influences that can add to your anxiety, okay? These, you know, in the this situation, I'm just, I, the story of Joshua, um, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. This is what the Lord says to Joshua. He's young. Moses has just died. The people that he's leading are complaining. Justifiably, there are much stronger nations that he's facing. I'm sure he was very intimidated by the facts. But what did God say to him? I do not be afraid. I will be with you. And when the Lord speaks to you about a certain conviction to obey, or he gives you encouragement in a certain situation, that trumps any other voice. Okay. 
I find this specifically in medical situations. God gives a promise. He says he's able to heal. He says he can, you know, well, we know that he's able to heal. We know that he gives promises that are impossible. But then we we have these voices that say, but rather don't trust in that because you might get disappointed. You know, medically, what is your history? Medically, you everyone in your bloodline has cancer. So what's going to make you any different? You know, it's these these voices, first of all from the enemy, but then also, you know, from outside voices. And unfortunately, sometimes we get tested by the people closest to us. They love us. The intention is for us. But God will go, which voice are you going to listen to? And a specific story here was during lockdown, a friend of mine's mom had passed away. And um, I was the closest person to her in location-wise. And um, Stefan and I prayed about it, and we really felt like I need to go and be with her. Um, I needed to go and comfort her. I mean, her mom had left. Finally, yeah, it, it, it was just a very close um, connection. Um, at the same time, in this town where I was going, my aunt and uncle um, lived there, and I just had this need to get to them. <laughs> Um, now they're over 60 and, um, we were, you know, COVID's very real, but because we prayed about it and Stefan and I were in conviction, uh, we were in agreement and in unity, we felt the Lord was actually sending me on a mission, on a mission. And that's how we treated this event. And, um, I was, I was pregnant. I still am pregnant. Praise God. <laughs> very thankful for that. But on the way there, I got a phone call from this person, this family member, and they they were just, it was a very much a voice that was going against what I was going to do, you know. How can you expose your baby? How can you expose your aunt and uncle? Um, there's going to be lots of people, you know, with this family that there's death. And all of a sudden, confusion just hit me and fear. And I was like, what am I doing? And I, I was about to turn the car around and go back. And the Lord just said to me, I'm with you, Lauren. I'm with you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're supernaturally going to protect me and the baby and the situation. And the fruit that came from that weekend, I can't begin to tell you. And so we need to be able to rightly discern when are those voices of caution truly something that we need to listen to because it's wisdom? And when is it just fear that is bringing us to a place of missing what God is calling us to do? And it, it's, it's not like the devil's working through that person or there's anything wrong with that person. I think so often it's just about the enemy trying to, you know, um, stop us from fulfilling the task that God has for us. Okay. Are you guys good? I just have to tell you a quick story. So with my previous pregnancies, I had an intense craving for apple juice. Okay. Now, first time mom, you don't really realize um, the effects of certain things. But um, I think I picked up 22 kilograms with drinking apple juice about 500 mils a night in the middle of the night. This time around, I decided, no, I will not go down that route. And so um, I'm drinking a lot more water. So all the moms there, just drink water if you can. Cravings. It took me a long time to lose that weight afterwards. Um, 
I also just want to say that I've had no work done to my lips. Okay, this is water retention. It's beautiful pouting lips. Okay. It's great for the camera. So anyway. Yeah. Falling pregnant and being pregnant is the most be- one of the most beautiful things. It's something I wish upon every mother that decides to be pregnant. Maybe that's a word for someone. You're so fearful about not falling pregnant, and God has given you a promise. And I want to release faith over you to trust him for that. Um, but your body is not your own, which is parenting for the rest of your life, I suppose. Okay, so I just want to go on to the fourth one there. Um, the spirit of fear creates a good case to doubt the promises of God. And it's so interesting because the first time that the Lord says in the Bible, um, do not be afraid, is to Abram. Now, Abram had faced um, difficulties with Pharaoh, his nephew Lot, the king of Sodom. Um, and each time God actually brought him out of those situations, being abundantly blessed. <laughs> and there was provision and there was growth. I mean, I'm sure he experienced fear, but that was never mentioned. The first time that do not be afraid is mentioned is when it comes to Abraham questioning God on the fulfillment of the promise of the covenant of you will have, you know, sons as many as the stars. How scary is that? Eh? How, how it's, it's in the impossible situation. It's in the promise of God that the Lord says, do not be afraid. And the spirit of fear will often come and he will, um, he will bring sudden doubt. Doubt. Did God really say that? You know, who do you think you are to have such a big dream? You know, why do you, why do you think you are different? It's this, it's not like fear and trembling or my, you know, something. It's, it's just these subtle fears of failure. It's these fears of I'd rather not try and be disappointed. You know, and, and then I'm safe. How many times, I don't know how many of you experienced that. You, you're like, I'd rather be in a safe place than put myself out there and fail. But I think the, and we'll get to it just now, but the difference is when it's in our own strength. It's in our own, we want to pursue something for ourselves versus the Lord that has promised something. Excuse me, this is another, this isn't a pregnancy-related um, humbling experience. This is just when I preach, um, I need to blow my nose every now and again, so excuse me. God has delivered me of having everything perfect when I preach. <laughs> um, you know, and, and what the, what the Lord has just been doing in this space in my life is he's been saying to me, Lauren, I want you to move from counting your pennies into trusting me for the impossible and trusting me for the promises that I've spoken over your life that when I have said it, I will do it. <laughs> when I've spoken and you submit that promise to me and you allow me to bring it to pass in my time and in my way, I will not fail you. And that just takes that pressure off, that, that thing of this fear of, I need to hold on to this promise so tightly because what if it never happens? 
And God says, I give, but then I want you to give it back to me. And that allows us to, to give him the glory and to give him the space to make it work out in the way that it should be. And here, I think what, what has happened as well is that we have started living from a place of conforming. Because that spirit of fear that wants to come and say, if you're going to live from conviction, it means that it's going to be tested. It means that my, my father-in-law at our wedding said to us, he said, if you stand for something, you're going to have people for you and you're going to have people against you. If you don't stand for anything, you're not going to have anyone for you and you're not going to have anyone against you. And that fear of man can cripple someone in this type of situation, especially in the workplace. When your thinking, your ideas, your convictions look different to the person next to you, but you know that this is my conviction, this is what I'm standing on. It's not about overpowering someone with your beliefs and your, but it's about that place of going, this is a promise that God has given me. This is a way that I want to do it. And I believe that he is able to bring it to pass. Okay. There's, um, you know, there's something so beautiful, beautiful about someone that doesn't move from the place of living by faith when certain things have come to pass in their life. You know, they're, they've, now got, they've now got the husband, they've got the children or the wife, they've got the business. It, it wasn't about my needs. I didn't live by faith to fulfill my needs. I live by faith because it is conviction that the Lord has given to me. And there's, Stefan has a, a mentor that's like that. Every time he walks away from a coffee date with that person, he comes back and he's radically shifted. I can see it's like a bus has knocked him over. <laughs> Tell me about your coffee. He's like, I don't know what just happened. Because this mentor speaks such faith into his life. He challenges his beliefs and his convictions where he might be submitting to a spirit of fear unknowingly. Okay. Second last one. Fear has you move into a position. Okay, sorry. Fear, can, I'm going to go a bit quicker now. <laughs> fear can keep you from facing the battle. Um, here is just about that, that scripture in 2 Chronicles. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out and face him, for the Lord is with you. And here he, um, it says, you know, Jehoshaphat, he would call a fast and a prayer when there was a battle to be faced. Um, he would then say, we do not know what to do, but we look to you, God. And I think so often we... The spirit of fear wants to keep you in a place where you are submitting to a generational curse, possibly in your family, or you're submitting, the, the spirit of fear is wreaking havoc in your relationships, and he, you've, you've just succumbed to it. And there's a place where you actually need to step up, and you need to say, not only for myself, but for the impact of the people around me, and the effect that this fear is having on my relationships, I'm going to go out and fight this battle. And I saw... With this thing that was happening in me, I could see Stefan was affected by the, the impact that the spirit of fear was having around anxiety around my children. And the one night, he just walked in, and he anointed me, and I, it was like a lion roaring over me. 
he wasn't, it wasn't even the battle he was facing for himself. It was my battle. And I just, all I did was lay on the bed and he just started praying. And from the next day, that was when the shift happened. And so often the battles that we face are not only for ourselves, it's for the people around us that we need to be aware of where that spirit of fear is operating. Okay. Number six, fear has you move into a position of control instead of a position of trust. Put up your hand. Anyone can relate to that. (laughs) This is my default. If I can just control the situation, then I don't have to be exposed to a threat. If I can control my children, control my husband, what he does or doesn't do with our children, then I don't have to be put in unconvenience position of what could happen, what could the outcome be. And so we try and create these safety mechanisms. And it's not just women's, men as well. If I can control, then then we think we, we're creating safety. But the only true place of safety is in that Psalm 91, under the shadow of the Almighty God. Because God doesn't, it's not, um, be of good cheer. In this world, you will have tribulation. What, in this world, you will have, be of tribulation, but be of good cheer. You will be safe. <laughs> That's not what he says. Okay. God doesn't promise us, he, he promises that he will be our refuge and our safe place. And this I only learned last year when we, when our baby Talita was taken to heaven. No one is, um, what's the word? No one is exempt from suffering. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are, but the, the intimacy and the protection and the refuge and the closeness and the provision and the comfort and the revelations and the understanding and the answers that God gave me in that time, it almost allowed me to kick fear in its face. Okay. The story I just want to share here is I, I learned <laughs> while in Stillby that I have a husband that is, is an undercover um, camel man slash adventurer. I'm sure all men are like that. <laughs> but I, the, 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 the adventures that Stefan went on with our boys had me praying a lot. <laughs> you know, up mountains, out for three hours, no phone signal, don't know where they are, rowing on the sea. Um, and I realized that my default is anxiety. My default is is fear. And um, anyway, one day I woke up from, a, from an afternoon nap. Benjamin comes running to me. He's four and a half. Mama, I went for my first kayak. So I was like, wow, on, this, on, on the river. Because there's a river in Stillby which is flat. It's got a life jacket on and very safe. Or the sea. So he's not in the sea. So I'm like, oh, okay. Look at Stefan with these eyes going, tell me about this. This in the sea kayaking with a four and a half year old. And I go and look outside because sometimes it's flat water. The sea's quite flat. But I go and look outside and there are waves, like swells, proper waves. And um, anyway, he says, no, they got, they, they managed to break through the first three waves. I mean, that's difficult for me as an adult. And they got to the back and they were experiencing it and they caught a wave out. That wasn't my only concern. Where was our three-year-old at the time? <laughs> Stefan had drawn a circle around him on the beach and said, do not move from this position. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we did 
debrief afterwards, and Stefan said maybe that was a little bit, you know. Um, but the point, that's not the point. The, what I want to share is that, again, Stefan said to Benjamin, come, let's go onto the sea. Now, I want to hide. Just, I want to hide in my room when this happens, and you just come tell me they're alive, and then I'm going to pray for the, the, that time. And the Lord just said, just go with. Go with. Um, and so Caleb and I are on the beach, and I, Stefan promises Benjamin, if you fall, I will be there to catch you. He's got a life jacket on. And I see these waves are a bit big this time around, but I've decided I'm not going to control the situation. I'm going to choose faith. I'm going to choose to believe that, especially with a mom of boys, it has an impact later on in their lives when you're constantly saying, be careful, be careful, don't do that. It's for your own convenience. It's not the, it's not for their best interest. You know, sometimes you need to advise them, but most of the time I'm convicted about the amount of control I want to exert over my boys. And so Benjamin goes and the boat topples. Now I want to go, I told you so, Stefan. You know, look at this child. This is a good experience, an adventure for them, and I'm going to have faith. And Stefan's immediately picks Benjamin up. And Benjamin looks to me as to how I'm going to respond. It's like he turned around because he wanted to see what is mama going to do. And I, in that moment, chose faith over fear. Because you also think, this is his first experience. Is this going to negatively affect him? You know, this is now going through your head. And I start cheering. And I'm like, Benjamin, you're amazing. And it was able to impart faith in him and his dad to get back into that kayak. And I just realized we, we so often want to avoid certain circumstances, and we want to control situations. Um, okay. And the last one there is just, it can affect your lens on how you see things. Okay. Um, so we don't want to move, we don't want to live from a place of, of seeing the world through a position of fear. And that's what, you know, Rachel was talking about. We've We've moved into a place of, I've become skeptical. My outlook on life is that I'm expecting something negative to happen. And I realized that that was my position. It's, it's, It's somewhere along the line in my walk with God, I've moved from trusting in his provision and who he is into avoiding discomfort. <laughs> um, okay. So he says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit... Sorry, not three different spirits. A spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. It's this Holy Spirit. I've given you the Holy Spirit who manifests in power, in love, and in a sound mind. And I want to talk about those. Um, Just before that scripture, Paul says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Louise, Louise, and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up that gift. And this is the crux of God's provision. (laughs) When that spirit of fear comes, he has provided power, he has provided love, and he has provided a sound mind. And now we all have a measure of power, a measure of love, and a measure of ability to soundly judge. But when we get into a situation and we choose to operate in faith, in partnering with the Holy Spirit, 
when that spirit of fear comes, God adds to our power. He adds to our love and he adds to our sound mind. And the opposite is true. The spirit of fear will come and diminish the little bit of power that you do have, the love that you do have, and the sound mind. Okay. So let's start off with power. And here, it's just so beautiful. The Lord just showed me. He said, I've provided power, which is the body, (laughs) your actions. It's your works. It's your calling. Okay. Love. You don't need to go to the next slide. (laughs) But love, which is the spirit. Okay. It's your feelings. It's your relationships. And a sound mind, which is the soul. Because our thinking our thoughts is our soul. So God God provides in every aspect of our life. Isn't he good? Isn't he amazing just to go, there's not one aspect of your thinking, actions, or feeling, your body, your soul, your spirit, your hands, your heart, your head, your relationships, your judgment, your doing that I have not provided. Okay, so the cross-referencing to that power is in Luke 24 where he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high. And to me, this just speaks, this releases me from trying to make it happen. The spirit of fear also wants to keep you in a cycle of, of striving. If you don't do it, if you don't make it happen, if you don't take the next step, if you don't action it, you know, how often is God, he gives you a promise, he downloads a vision, and then it doesn't happen immediately. What do we do? I'm going to step in and I'm going to make it happen. (laughs) And often, in the Bible, it's true. There's a time lapse between God downloading a vision Joseph, Daniel, all those people, they had to wait a number of years before it came to pass. It doesn't always have to be like that, but, but there's, a, there's a challenge that comes into that place to go, I want it to be sustainable. And so I want you to tap into my power in making this come to pass, not your power. And so in this aspect, the, the, the spirit of God addresses the fear that says, I need to make this happen. Um, you know, you're not good enough for this thing to happen. What if you fail? And we, what we need in that circumstance is surrender, humility, and dependence. It invites us into a place where we depend on God. We go, Father, my power is not working. <laughs> my ability to action this thing is not working. And I find this specifically in the workplace, specifically in corporate space where where you're feeling like you're trapped. You're feeling like you're not being heard or whatever, you're being, you know, even being accused, whatever it might be. You're able to depend on God to step in. And also then when the outcome is good and the outcome is great, it's not your glory. It's his glory. And that requires that humility. And it requires surrender to invite the Holy Spirit to say, I'm fearing that this is not going to happen, or I don't know what to do. Can you come and make this happen? Okay. He's given us that spirit of love. Um, I 
It says in 1 John 4, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment or punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, the spirit of fear will go, ooh, you're not perfect. <laughs> you need to become perfect because then you really have love. No, that's not <laughs> You have to go, it is only God's love that is perfect. But in this area, the spirit of fear wants to come and focus on what you are not doing. He wants to, he wants to show you your failures in relationships. He wants to come in and highlight, but what if you truly sacrificially love? What are you going to get out of it? What if you are going to be left behind? And I've just seen so many times, in, especially in parenting, is there is so much fear that can come in. I'm not doing enough. Um, what if this happens to my child? What if any, any relationship? And the Lord just comes and he invites and he says, trust me to show you where your love is failing. Now, the reality is that our love, when we come to know Jesus, we realize how twisted and how tainted our love is because it's been defined by, you know, situations and disappointments and, you know, things that we've grown up with. But the Holy Spirit will come and he will bring revelation where we need to repent or when we need to actually realize that we are projecting something on someone else. This has happened multiple times in my marriage <laughs> where I will think that Stefan's failing or I will realize that I'm failing or I will judge him or I'll, I'll expect a certain standard. And the Holy Spirit will come and say, Lauren, you're projecting a fear on Stefan. This has actually got nothing to do with him. But it requires such humility and it requires a selflessness because you so want out of that relationship for the other person to change because it's hard work if you need to change. You know? And we always go you first. You know, this has got nothing to do with me. But I, I have seen the key to a marriage that flourishes. And I mean, we've still got a lot, a long way to go, but it's repentance. To have a repentant heart in a marriage, any relationship, work relationship, children, there, there, is a, there is something that happens when you are able to step back from a situation and go, sure, I need to change. There's something in me that is needed to change. Um, and it's funny then, if the other person does need to change, then often God will do that work and they'll come and say sorry to you or whatever it might be. Um, and I think Henny recently preached about um, being fruitful and multiply. Yeah. And we had a discussion in our small group. And talking back to the gospel, you know, where Paul was speaking to Timothy about, you know, do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Preach the gospel. Go out and share. And we were talking about how often most of the people in the small group were thinking about be fruitful and multiply is literally having biological children. But we were saying, what if the degree to which we are willing to sacrifice and show love to our own biological children was the degree to which we were willing to make disciples. And I was like, sure. You know, love often is inconvenient. Love requires you to go the extra mile. Love has you face difficult situations. 
Love has you um, believe the best for another person. That is effortless when it comes to your own biological child. But we're living a life of eternity. We're not living only for our biological children. And that's the reality of God requiring a love in this time and in this situation where people are faced with situations and, and challenges that they require. I mean, they are hungry for a love that will sacrifice. Um, and so I just, I've, I have, the, the Holy Spirit has never failed me in this area when it comes to love. He has, I remember when I was an intern um, in Stellenbosch about 13 years ago, um, I didn't have a very good relationship with my dad, and I, I'd, been, I'd sort of got saved, and I was like, there are marriages that survive? Oh my word, that's amazing. And there are men that will sacrifice, you know, you, you get exposed to these things, and I remember I was washing the car because I was late, or I was talking too loud or something. I used to call it swart kolikis, you know, these black dots. And um, so I was often washing the bus. But anyway, I love I love being loud and being myself. But at that time, it was a struggle. And um, and I was thinking, who will who will love me? You know. And I had this desire for a man to love me. I had this intense need to be chosen. And I, and the Holy Spirit, well, the Father said to me, Lauren, no man will ever love you the way I can I can love you. I think Stefan's like, praise God. You know, <laughs> you know, the pressure's not on him to show perfect love. But when we tap into faith, every accusation that that spirit of fear brings in a relational context, we realize our positioning has changed. I am first loved, and therefore I can love. Okay. And lastly, I just want to end off with this, is um, he says, For I have not given you a spirit of um, fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And that speaks to our thinking, <laughs> um, our soul, our ability to judge. I think what happened this year was I realized that although... There was amazing provision from God when we lost our baby girl last year, Talita. And at that time, it, it, it was one of the most special times in our lives. God gave us understanding. Not many, not many people that lose someone so close to them get understanding and, and perspective about a situation as quickly as we did. And so my relationship with, of God, with God actually only strengthened through the process but what had happened was the spirit of fear had come in with a little lie. He thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this gap. And, he, and I think what I, what I saw over the last five, six months was my response to control and my, my thinking about someone kidnapping Benjamin and Caleb was based on a lie that I believed I can't really ask God to protect us. You know, I can't really pray for the blood of Jesus because we lost our baby girl. 
Do you understand how subtly he came? How subtly he wanted to come? And that is not the truth at all. (laughs) That is not what happened last year with Talita at all. But the enemy was... So trust had been broken between me and God. And it was it was this anxiety and this fear that I couldn't explain because I knew the truth. I know God protects. I know the word. I know, you know, that I can, I don't have to be there all the time to be my children's savior. I'm able to release them into the hands of God because he looks after them and he cares for them. You know, it is tiring when you feel like you have to be that person to protect them all the time. And I had to repent of believing that lie. And this happens so often in our lives. If it comes through a parent's divorce, if it comes through trauma when you're a child, it comes through abandonment, it comes through shame, it comes through whatever situation, the enemy will come and attach himself to a certain underlying lie that you're believing. And that will cause your thinking to be it, it will it will form around that lie, and so I, w- I couldn't believe that that was the lie that I was believing. It was quite humbling because I know God is good, you know. And so, so often we we have to stop and we have to see when when is our thinking and our our analysis paralysis of certain situations trying to remove us from trusting God in a certain situation. We create scenarios in our heads on trying to make things happen or trying to avoid certain things. And the Lord really just came and he said to me, Lauren, I want you to move from that fear to faith again. I want you to believe that I am good no matter what and that I hold your children in the palm of my hands. And I was just so in awe of God's faithfulness to bring that deliverance at this moment because I know that for each of my children, there was something massive that shifted before their birth. And so as much as I'm preaching this sermon to you, I'm also preaching this sermon to Daniel because the calling on Daniel's life means that he cannot have a spirit of fear that is operating. And the Lord just said to me, the scripture has been just on my heart the whole five months. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And the Lord just kept, the Holy Spirit kept on saying, lift up your, lift up your eyes, Lauren. <laughs> If you're naturally a thinker, this can be exhausting, okay? Because you are so processing thoughts all the time, you know, and you're analyzing situations. And the Lord just says, trust in my word and trust in me. And so, yeah, I just want to end off with that, that Psalm 56 that said, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.